0: Can anybody guess whose birthday is today? Hey. Happy birthday, Garth Brooks. We, we love you, and we, we don't honor you, but you are a good performer. So, Anyways, it is Super Bowl Sunday, Garth Brooks' birthday, and all that fun stuff. But beyond all that, the real holiday is this. It's the first week of a new sermon series. Right We're, Over the next few weeks, over the course of this month of February, the Love Month, we'll be focusing on um, John 15, verses 1 through 8. In a series that I've titled A Gathering to Learn or a Gathering to Burn. Okay? Within this teaching, Jesus weaves so many different illustrations throughout it, but the basic premise of it all is he's looking at us, he's looking at the body of Christ, he's looking at humanity in total, he's looking at creation as though life is like a garden dig it, right? It's a garden. It's a forest. And he gives all these creative measures. As Jesus is teaching here in John 15, 1 through 8, he's he's just got done preparing his disciples for the finality, for his departure, for his death on the cross in John 14. He's promised them in that the Holy Spirit. And so now while he's going to physically go away at a certain point, he's going to encourage a life in him. And that's kind of where we'll be. What, what does a life look like that's actually in him, like really rooted in Jesus? So this is the first week, a gathering to learn, a gathering to burn. It's found in John 15, 1 through 8. My Bible labels it as the vine and the branches. Jesus got done preparing the disciples for his departure, promised the Spirit. Now he is going to do what he does so awesomely, teach. Greatest teacher ever. He uses these things called parables, illustrations. How many of you guys actually have a garden at home and you can relate? How many of you guys never knew what a garden was until you got married? Okay. But for those of you that don't know, gardening is a ten-step process. Who knows that? Here's the ten steps. You ready? You find the right location. Right? You select what you'll plant. What do I want to grow in this land God's given me? You got to prepare the soil. That's the hard part, right? That's the hard part. One year, what did I have? Some kind of hand tools trying to till the land. Oh, my hands were all ripped up. But my wife was happy got a good bicep pump it all worked out you got to cultivate the land and there's a reason why cultivating the land is so important it's because over time the natural environment and the soil the way it settles it's just not it, it it's not productive for things to happen it blocks the flow right and so in cultivating the land, you allow air to get in, you allow water to go deeper, and you allow those nutrients to go where they need to go, which is into the root of what you're wanting to grow. So this cultivation process, this tilling process, is kind of what Jesus kind of tends to lean on with God. God is tilling and tending to these gardens. God is hopefully, through the Holy Spirit, cultivating our hearts so these seeds can plant and be be, be planted on the right soil, Right? Not this hardened life, this environment that we've lived in, not the nature of the things of the past, but God's wanting to do a new thing, to soften us to his word, to his will, that this stuff will actually take root. So number four, we've got to uh, check the planting dates. Am 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 I planting in the right seasons, right? You plant the seeds. It's all about depth, and it's all about spacing. No overcrowding here, kids. Overcrowding is bad. You had water. Makes sense. Seven. Keep weeds out. Keep weeds out. You want to have a good garden? You got to keep weeds out. Why? Because they just compete. They, they steal the nutrients. They steal from those things that you're wanting to get life into. They suck the life out of the environment. They compete and thus kill it. And so it goes with so many different things in our lives. Those things that are competing for that space in our heart that God wants to fill. And he says, uh, you you, you got to give them room to grow. they got to have room. Fertilize as needed. And then 10, oh boy, 10, here we go. The non-karmatic verse in the Bible. Let's get that clear. God's done about karma. Okay, some of us want to believe that. You reap what you sow. God can't be mocked, right? If I plant watermelon, what should I expect to get if I tend to my land? A watermelon, right? If I plant negativity in places I go, what can I expect to receive, do you think, as an outcome? It's always a watermelon, option A. Luke's going to heaven, he got it, sermon's over. Today I want to talk from the message titled, A Great Misconception, as we look at John 15, 1 and 2 now. Not every person we will walk in our Jesus journey with will be pruned. Some will be and are doomed or destined for the fire. Right? when we start working our way into pruning and we start to work our way into removing and all these other things, we got to think about this in a larger scheme of things, right? So schematically, God gives all an opportunity. God is patient with everyone, not wanting any to perish, but all come to repentance, right? But how many people are well aware that God has called you to steward your life? You are to be a steward and a manager of your life. That includes your mental space, that includes your heart space, that certainly includes your own spiritual condition, your spiritual growth, right? You need to be so fertile, right? You need to be so fertile in your soil that's been cultivated all week long by the Holy Spirit that by the time we come in here Sunday, these songs are already penetrating, The life is already breathing into you. You're an active and vital member of the body of Christ then. But there are things all week long that come in. Weeds, right? The weeds start coming in. And it's our job that as they come in, as we're aware of the weeds, number seven, keep them out. We don't have a place in our garden for weeds if we want to reap something that is beneficial. So how does this work? How does God do this? And more importantly, how can we get better at following the example of Jesus Christ? God's word says this. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me is, that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Okay? So Jesus here is starting off with what he'll eventually get to as a warning of some fire and some sticks being burned, and like, well, we might have a bonfire on stage. It might be fun. Illustrations. But the reality of this is, is we've got to ask ourselves a question before we pray and press in. What is really from God? What really has eternal value in our life? What really matters the most? And as we assess the things that matter the most, may God give us all the courage to lay down the things that just choke the life out of the things that matter most. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we, we don't want to be a part of the masses. We don't want to be a part of those that have been lied to and manipulated and deceived by anything or anyone. And your word gives us an opportunity to walk in truth. We thank you for the truth of your scriptures tell us of your son Jesus and his will for our lives. God, you tell us that your will for us in Christ is that we would pray, always rejoice constantly and give thanks in everything. So right now, Father, we pray. We petition. We want to grow with you. We want to know you more. Help us to do that. We rejoice, God. We are so positively excited about the work that you want to do in us and the work that you've done and will continue to do until it's complete when Christ returns. Man, we thank you. Thank you for this time that you've given us to carve out on this really warm Sunday in Missouri. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, some definitions for the day before we go too far into this, okay? You're going to see the words vineyard keeper. If you open up and you had a KJV, the, thou, this, that, da, 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 you'd see a word husbandsman in its place. The word is Georgas. What does that sound like? If you've ever, as they say in the Midwest, Spit a little game at a shorty. It sounds something like this. Hey girl, you're Georgis. I kid, I kid. That's gorgeous. Never mind. Charlie, what are you doing to me? You messing with me? Charlie's like that wasn't funny, I'm turning. It literally means tiller of the soil. It's one who tills the soil. When we talk about tilling, remember, we're talking about an intentional cultivating of soil so that nutrients can go deeper, right? So, as it labels the Father, the Creator, God, as we get to this idea of Him being that, the husbandman, the vineyard keeper, the Georgos, He is, in fact, the tiller of the soil. He wants to cultivate. He wants to break through. What happens over time, by definition, as we look at tilling. Is. The ground gets hard. It gets crusty. Literally, that's what it will tell you, the earth gets crusty. You know, what's worse worse than a crusty earth, a crusty Christian. A calloused Christian a hardened heart towards the gospel like Paul warns against so many times a hardened heart from the Holy Spirit right in Hebrews we get the warning today if you hear his voice don't harden your heart as some have done we've got to keep our hearts soft We've got to let the tiller do his work all week long as things happen to tend to lest we get crusty and crabby and critical and condemning and all the other things that go with that. Tilling or cultivating, a little definition, this is not even too deep, but it's literally the definition. Nature takes a toll on soil and elements dry out into a crust. Tilling breaks crusty soil up, allowing air, nutrients, and water to go deep so roots can access them. Would you say that most people are surface? You found that out? How many of you guys are actually intellectual beings? And you're not going to raise your hand just because you're at church and it sounds like it's the right thing to do. But like there are seriously sometimes times where you're like, I, I, I actually would like a deep conversation with one human. That'd be nice, right? I like the challenge of it. I like the, the depth of it. I, I, I like I like it to go beyond kids' boots, nice hair, how's this, how's that? And everybody hits the I'm fine button and we go on out, right? I like those things that are like, what makes you tick, right? Tell me about your hurts. Tell me about your hangups. Tell me about a time in life. Does this not sound like a job interview? Tell me about a time in life where you overcame something that was difficult. And how did you overcome it? Listen, you get bonus points in heaven if you walk in that interview room and you say, by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. you would be like, huh, lambs? Removal, Iro. To take off or away something attached. To take by force. To take from among the living, either by natural or violent death. Now we go into Jesus' words. Understanding this idea of God being the tiller of the soil. Understanding God being the cultivator of the creation, right? The creator cultivates the creation. A lot of people get it mixed up, and they think that the creation can cultivate the creator, right? Make my own God, right? My Jesus would never. It's like, where'd you, what, what vending machine you get him in? Right? That, that don't sound good. Four truths from the text. Number one, what I want us to look at is the vine. The vine. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Well, if we look at the gardening process, wouldn't it just make sense that Jesus would be the vine knowing what we know? If we go all the way back to the beginning, it all started in a garden, didn't it? The whole story starts in a garden, and the garden was once really, really good, and then corruption hit the garden, but God didn't handle it like some people would handle it, if you remember, and you can go all the way back to Genesis and consider this for a second. God intentionally plants what he wants in the garden, correct? Because he's God. He creates it all. He says, hey, I did a pretty good job. Look at me go. I might do some more. He's got everything rocking in six days. He's got man. Now he's like, hey, the guy's lonely. I got to give him a woman, right? So we got the garden. Now all of a sudden, some sin and some serpent and all this other stuff starts entering, and we get suffering. But here's what's amazing. God didn't close the garden down. He cultivated the land and kicked Adam out. You're gone. You're gone from the garden. He drove him out, right? Does the Bible say that? He drove him out. Read through the Old Testament. It is one big story about God driving people out of places, right? Right? God's like a uh, God, God's like a mix between Uber and U-Haul. He's like Holy Spirit say "You need to be picked up and hop on in. I got plenty of room for everybody. Some of y'all need straps, but it's a reality, is it not? Read the Old Testament. It's a hard reality, but it's a true reality." God is always trying to protect Israel in the Old Testament, is he not? He's trying to protect his people. Don't mate with them. Don't go there. Don't do that. You shouldn't look like them. You've got to stand out. Right? ABCs, right, of the Old Testament. ABCD. Abandon God. Bondage occurs. curse. They cry out for deliverance, and lo and behold, the deliverer shows up. But here's a fun fact. Not everybody got delivered. They got delivered from people sometimes. So when we look at deliverance, we look at the violent casting out of, spiritually, physically, relationally, whatever we want to do here, Jesus is now saying, by the way, God did his thing. He planted a vine. I am here on purpose. I'm an intentional seed of life. right? You go to Romans, and Romans will talk about the first Adam, the second Adam, the life-giving seed, the life-giving spirit. right? So it makes sense that the vine would be Jesus when we look at the gardening process because we know that the seed has to be planted, right? And we learn in the New Testament that he was predestined always to plant right? The seed has to be planted to produce life, or in our case, eternal life, salvation. Jesus being the seed of all life and the giver of life now gives us the the Holy Spirit, which is the life-breathing spirit or pneuma. So then we have the Holy Spirit. He's just got done preparing these guys for this. For now, he says, I'm the true vine. Now he says, there's a vine it's me there's a vineyard keeper number two the vineyard keeper my father is the vineyard keeper that's the tiller the creator god he's the one that breaks through hard hearts right remember the guy in egypt what was his name pharaoh he had a problem what was his problem Yes. What, what what did what did God ultimately end up doing? He did something to Pharaoh in his heart. What 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 happened? He hardened it, didn't he? Like, let, let's go all the way crusty. Just go all the way. The Bible tells us in in the end times, God will allow. A great misconception to occur because people don't chase after the true God. They want their here and now life better. So they'll follow signs, they'll follow wonders, they'll want the miracles, and the Antichrist is like, Yeah, I can do magic. And everybody goes. But the vineyard keeper God has one goal in mind as he looks down at his garden, his creation. His people, our hearts being the garden, each individually. He wants to do the tilling. He wants us to trust the process. Has anybody found that the process is painful at times? It hurts. Salvation is a really, really easy process, if you get it. Sanctification costs you everything sometimes. It hurts. It hurts bad. One guy said uh, one time that it can't count greatly unless it costs a man deeply. You ever had to learn a painful way? something that God wanted, that you could have learned maybe some other way, but the pain almost like intensified the depth of the experience, and it's like, you know, I shouldn't have touched the stove, but man, after I touch it, I'm never touching the stove again. But the best step is the first step. Instead of having to learn the painful way, trust god in the process if he says i'm a tiller i i want to cultivate the land that i created i want to break through whatever is hard in your heart not your neighbor not your friend not your nobody else what's going on in your heart these days what's creeping in right the scripture says, I mean, if you if you read through the scriptures, there's warning against certain things. Like, make sure no seed of bitterness sprouts up amongst you because it can defile many. We often look at Paul's words in the church of Corinth and he's like, it just takes a little yeast to ruin a whole batch. One negative person can drive a lot of negativity. But can I tell you in a, in, in a more personal way? One negative thought can become a negative space in your heart. And if stewed on long enough, can be the hardness of your heart. That's why Jesus taught us these perfect prayers. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? Keep my heart clean. Keep my heart soft towards the things of God. The vines, Jesus, the vineyard keeper, the creator, God. He'll do whatever it takes to tend to his land, yes? He always has. He drove Adam out in the garden. You start going flash forward, it's like, okay, let's talk new covenant, okay? Anybody know about uh, Ananias and Sapphira? What happened with him? He went mafia on them, whacked them. Right? Is that real? They went in the church, lied to the Holy Spirit, shazam. I always like that one verse in there, right? And great fear seized the whole community of believers. Ah, now you got our attention. We worship you. Paul gives warnings in the book of Corinthians when he talks about the communion table, which we'll come to next week. There are reasons why some among you, he says, are falling asleep and getting sick. God certainly has power to do anything He wants to do. But I think in God's provision and God's kindness and His patience, His desire is that we would surrender and trust the process. Trust Him to cultivate our land, to cultivate our hearts, right? Everybody gets so focused on What's happening in the White House, or what's happening over here? And the real question is what's happening within me? Am I a person of action, or am I going to be a person of reaction? Reactive people don't grow well. If you're going to be reactive with your day, you're never going to grow because you're going to let every weed come up in the garden, you're going to let the trees just uh, all upon each other. No life. No room, no space. And it's your job to manage your garden. It's your job to make sure the weeds are out. It's your job to make sure the heart has been fertilized, right? I love the metaphors that God gives us, right? The Holy Spirit. Water. Pretty important. Fire. I I, I love that because... There have been times in my life where the fire of the Holy Spirit has melted really cold and icy spots in me. The vast majority, number three, the vine's Jesus, the vineyard keeper is God, the tiller, the creator the one who wants to cultivate within each of his creations as we trust Christ in the process. Understand this, the process cannot start until I've surrendered to Christ, though. A lot of people are like, we can't work for our salvation. You are correct. Can't do it. But you will work from your salvation, trust me. If you've really surrendered your soul to Jesus, a message of sacrifice, a message of love, a message of giving, it's impossible to not be outward focused in the way you conduct your life. So I am the true vine and my father is the vineyard keeper. Now we move into verse 2. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit. What does he do? He removes it. He takes it away. It was attached. They were the love of my life. So in seventh grade, I had a girlfriend. Maybe it was ninth grade. I don't know. She was really important to me. Can you tell? Her name's Taylor Swift. She even wrote a song. Hey, Stephen, look it up. I mean, she... She clearly didn't communicate with me how I spell my name before she did it, but she did it. Right? And we broke up. We broke up. It's probably harder on her than it was me. I moved on. But let's think about this really quick in a more serious way. It's painful when relationships die. Yes? Fair? It's painful when people walk away. It's painful when you're, you're doing every I I know I need to. Look, I just know it's not probably healthy for my soul, but my flesh is like, we attached. How many of you guys do the wishbone thing with the turkey? My kids did it this year, right? Because every believer has to have superstition in their house. It starts with the wishbone kids, right? Benjamin came in all strong and aggressive. I'm going to rip this thing in half, and he broke, like, all of it to the wrong side. He lost. And... Theodore got his wish. When he said, Theodore, what's your wish? He said that daddy won't die for at least a hundred years. So you know what that means. We're together for hundred more years, church. Love you. But the vast majority is those that don't produce fruit. The weeds. Those that compete for nutrients. They they just block space. Empty space, right? Wasting space in our hearts, in our minds. They're cutting life off. They're making it hard to hear from God, hard to hear from the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a them. It can be a job. It can be whatever we focus on. It can be a lot of things. But the characteristic of a weed that can be confusing is if you live life surface, it looks similar to a plant at times, right? And I love how uh, Wikipedia gets all jiggy with it on this. It says, looks similar to a plant, ready? but at the end has no redeeming value. Wow. Nothing comes from it. Literally nothing comes from it. It was a waste of time. It was a waste of energy. I fed the wrong thing. Anybody ever do that? You ever feed the wrong thing? Right? Genesis 4, 7, be careful. Sin is like right outside your door. It's lurking. It's desires to rule you, but you mustn't let it. I always say the cookie monster's right out there. Stop throwing chips ahoy at him. He will get big enough to kick the door down and maul you. We, we've got a salvation right there. Thank you, Lord. Redeemed. Cookie monster led me to Christ. Amen. Lastly, the victorious. You've got the vine Jesus, the vineyard keeper, the tillers, the creator God, the vast majority, those that don't produce fruit, the weeds within the garden, and the victorious. He says, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes, now pruning, every branch that produces fruit so that don't produce more fruit. Right? So they, they took it away from me, but in, if you guys walk by, there is... A bag, and there's a, a carton of things. There's a cart and a little bag over there, okay? So the women's group, you've heard about it every week. They've been doing this turning point thing, and they've gotten 13 bags delivered so far. So they're pretty good on as far as the blessing bag is to women, but they have a lot of kids that come in there, right? And and so what I did, Clayton's going to, yeah, look at Clayton. Ooh. What I did is I put together a little basket for kids, Right? And we can do things like this, and this is—it was fun. I had a blast doing it, right? I kind of nervous to take my kids to do it. My bag was like eighty bucks. There's probably eight hundred, but it's all good. Okay, love you, Valentine's Day. You know, teddy bear got some play doh, got some balls. Oh, uh, yeah, here it is. You should be very concerned, dude. Check this out. Light up T-Rex shoes. Come on. It gets no sweeter. But the reality of that is, that without Christ is nothing. Right? That without Christ is nothing. Or as the scripture says, my, my greatest work is a filthy rag before God. If Christ doesn't call me to it, it means nothing. Nothing. Lord, Lord, didn't I do all these great things in your name? Didn't I drive away demons? Didn't I do all these miracles? Didn't I? And he's like, it doesn't matter. You just were evil. Depart from me. I never knew you. One of the greatest telltale signs of having the Holy Spirit and being saved is Christ calling you to produce fruit within the community of the faith, the community of the family of believers, and then outward into the actual community that God has planted you in. But the Holy Spirit will lead you to live a life like Jesus, correct? Which means less of me, more of Him. And there are many opportunities that we have here at Creekside to do many amazing things. And we do those things but here's what I always want to convey to you. You guys never hear me say, hey, go put your money in the offering basket, right? Times are tough. COVID, let's pass it five times. I'll start crying the third. We don't do that. Why? Because God wants your heart. Until God gets your heart, all that other stuff that you do, it means nothing. Nothing. There's a lot of things I did in my life that I look back on. I'm like, that was solid, that was solid, that was solid. Cool, cool, cool. And God reminds me through the Spirit, it's getting burnt. Wasn't in me. Bummer. Do good people go to heaven? Is is, is heaven for those that do good deeds? Because the heaven that I'm sold on is a place where sinners are reconciled to God because he loved us so much that he sent his son to become sin, knowing no sin so that we could be right with him. The good deeds, the great things, the good people, that's a byproduct of the goodness of God living within you. James 1.17 says, Every good gift comes from above, from the Father of lies with whom there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. Good just points to God, Right? God will use the foolish things of the world to even confound the wise, right? There are a lot of unsaved people that can still point me to God in whatever they're doing if I give God the glory. So now it leads us to the victorious. Last thing on your notes. Those bearing fruit and being pruned. I want us to be clear on this. There's removing and there's pruning, Right? There's learning and there's burning. I'd rather learn, not burn. How about you? And I understand pruning is painful and pruning is tough. But you know what would be tougher is getting removed. Right? And the Bible says all over the place, God disciplines those that he loves. He doesn't punish. He disciplines. He chases after. Our punishment comes from sin. It's the natural consequence of death from the sin, right? That's not God punishing us. But the devil will make you think. God's punishing you. So pruning. Pruning process of remaining, process of removing what is diseased, damaged, dead, or destructive. I'm not casting the whole thing out, right? But there are parts that when I look at it, it just doesn't look so lively, right? I get in the mirror, I'm like, all right. Prune this thing out, God. Eyes, I'll keep them. Cheekbones, good to go. Biceps, packs, work, you know, and then it's like, dad bod. How'd that happen? There are parts of even our physical bodies that we look at, and we don't like it. We get critical or cynical, or, or feel self, right? We feel the self-shame when we look at ourselves at times. How much more greater should that go when it comes to the internal person and the character of who we really are? C.S. Lewis said it best, we're not bodies with souls, we're souls with bodies. The soul's forever, the body's just temporal. How's my more important body doing, my spiritual self? The one that, that, that goes somewhere forever. Well, not only is pruning the process of removing what is diseased, damaged, dead, or destructive, it's also the process of removing non-productive things that serve no long-term purpose. And I want to ask you guys at the first week of this series, what does God want to prune and what does God want to remove? Right? There are things in your life, there are places within you that God would say, yeah, we just got to touch that up a little bit. I think needs some touch-up. There are some other things that, as Jesus would say, we need to expel it. We need to like, violently force that thing out of you. It's not going to be easy, and you don't want to play with it. Just get it gone. Right? because you're the tender of the tenderness of your heart that God's called you to have when it comes to having the Holy Spirit flow clearly through you. So he says, I am the vine, the true vine. My father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch of me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit, right? So God's goal in doing this work is not to just, let's see if they can suffer, right? I want them to go through pain. No, God's goal is that we would learn. And from that learning, the lesson would be instilled within us and we'd go out and do what every disciple should do. A disciple makes disciples. I learned that lesson, man, right? There's a few I'm still working on, but that one, I learned. God got me through that one, right? It was God that gave me the wisdom. God gave me the revelation. I can take you to chapter and verse. Let's sit down and have a meal, right? Whatever that looks like, the goal of God in the walk that we have now with Jesus until eternity happens is that we would grow up, be mature, and go out into a world that needs what we have. And so we get to the bottom of this. We get to the end of week one. God cares about the garden and protects what is planted. Yes? I believe it. God gives us his spirit so we can discern what is good for our growth. Yes, you believe it? When we allow weeds to worm their way in, we wither away. We're literally allowing our own life to be sucked out of us. It's nobody else. It's just you. That unforgiveness only hurts you. That bitterness hurts you. All that other stuff, it hurts you. You're hurting yourself. person that we love this past week, my wife and I were talking about him, and I said, I can't watch it because it's like watching somebody commit suicide of their own soul. Can't do it. And some of you guys have committed suicide of your soul. By keeping the weeds in the garden and not tilling and cultivating and letting God in the process do his work in your heart. You're crusty. You're cranky. You're crabby. The Bible's like the joy of the Lord is your strength and you're like, oh, somewhere in there. I know this to be true. Farmers are to fields what shepherds are to flocks, and every garden needs a tiller. Do you believe that? Every garden needs a tiller. Every person needs to be cultivated, every heart needs to be tended to. And let's just be quite frank. I think some people, maybe even within the sound of my voice, stink at self-evaluating the deeper things. When's the last time you dug deep? When's the last time you worked on you? You just went through a period and you said, I'm going to be the best me. It should be happening every day. but it stops happening when we're burnt out or when we're tired. I don't have time for that. And you know what happens? The crust thickens, right? It's like DiGiorno. 30 minutes and it just all rises. I want this to be an uplifting thought as we conclude this time together this morning with the worship team coming up. When we start talking about gardens and we talk about softened hearts and we talk about cultivating, we talk about things, there are things that we think need to be removed at times, yes? You ever looked at something and be like, yeah, I could do without that, Right? I, I i go down to the golden corral or the you know wherever the nice buffet is and like we could remove half of these things and make this easier on me right a- ain't ain't nobody trying to eat pinto beans at a buffet okay hominy like i i quit that in boot camp okay some of you guys like that stuff and you're giving me dirty looks right now But there are things sometimes that we look at, and if we're not careful, we'll remove something that's supposed to stay. And we'll treat something harshly that we should treat tenderly, because we respond in the flesh and not the spirit. And we miss it in many ways. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we get it wrong, right? And let's be honest, now's the time for me to, like, share with you something to lead us into worship. Wednesday afternoon, I was on duty. I saw a guy. He didn't have tr- he didn't have plates on his truck. It was a clue. If you don't have plates on the front of your vehicle. You should be ticketed. It's against the law in Missouri. Right? Ticket. I pull around him. His tabs on kind of crooked. I'm like, this would be fun. I stop the vehicle and I discover the guy had warrants. Solid in our interaction, he had a lot of warrants. He was looking at 30 years, 20, 30 years, hanging over his head. Well, in the midst of me stopping this vehicle, somebody miles away decided that they wanted to end their life. So every vehicle on duty goes miles away, and he's got to go to jail. And I've got to help him get where he needs to go. Like a good neighbor. State Farm, never mind. He, he didn't want to go to jail, but he did. And I always have a belief. Right? It's never Personal it's never personal here's what I mean by that anything that would have happened between the interaction that happened and into get that's not personal because if it's personal it will allow me to talk to or treat this individual differently after the fact of de-escalation in the Christian life it's the same way in life, it's the same way. The more you approach life from this is a personal, it's personal. They did this to me. It's me. It's me. It's me. You start to work through things personally. You never get to the deeper things. And you never do the work God wants you to do. He got in my car, and uh, I can honestly say, I really enjoy that guy we had a great talk had some good moments of laughter and I believe he had something happen that need to happen he opened up he opened up I'm like, dude I, I don't understand why this thing says you're so violent with law enforcement and all that other, I don't think that's you. I don't believe that's you. And he said, you don't understand the interactions I've had. And you don't understand the things that have happened. And yes, it's easy to get callous when we hear people say things that we don't like or agree with. But if we let them work themselves out, it usually puts them in a position where they'll hear what we have to say a lot more clearly. As he goes on, he gets to his most previous experience. His mom died while he was locked up. Never had a relationship with her. He was serving time for six months. And he said he wouldn't even let me. Nothing with the burial. And the hardest part on him was he tried everything within himself To heal their relationship through the years. To bring it back into a good standing. And now he's at this point where mom's gone. I've got no relationship there. I've got nothing over there. And he literally makes a statement to me. And I feel like it's a statement that the enemy gets a lot of people sucked into to harden their hearts. You've got nobody you're all alone, you're all alone. He said, I have nobody. I said, dude, you, you got me whether you like it or not. You're in cuffs in my car. I even put you in the front seat. We gonna be friends. And when we got to the, the station, I got out a piece of paper, and I wrote down Brandon's address, and I said, come this now. I gave him an address to write to, and I gave him my cell phone number, and I said, dude, while you're in here, if you need somebody to talk to, call me. When you get out, if you need somebody to talk to, call me. Every step of the way, when you need somebody, you can always me. I can't guarantee you'll get a response right away. But at some point, at some point, I'll be there. How many people know this world needs people that will really be there? And a lot of people think they have to do something amazing or grandiose. But really, in reality, a lot of the times, you know what you need to learn to do? Just show up. Just show up. Show up, be there. A lot of times, depending on the depth of their pain, they won't even remember anything that you said. But they'll remember you were there. They'll remember your face. Or in my case, everybody always says, you sound like Owen Wilson. I'm like, no, he sounds like me. Let's get this right. But as we go forward... As we tend to the gardens of our heart, the garden of our lives, the garden of God's community that he's blessed us with called Creekside, the family of the faith, the community out there beyond these four walls that needs what we have. We have to be in the vine to get to the victory. We have to be in the vine to get to the victory, or else we're a part of the vast majority. And the vineyard keeper, the husband's men, will till it once and for all. I don't want to burn. I want to learn. Anybody else here to learn? You know one thing I think that we need to learn to do? I think we need to learn to worship. I think we need to learn how to praise. I think we need to learn how to shut our minds off and engage our hearts with thanksgiving. Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins. Have you heard that? He really did. He really died a physical death on the cross for you because without it you were heading to hell. And God the Father resurrected the Son on the third day. Not only did he stop there, after the cross, ascending to heaven, ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father, interceding and mediating on our behalf. You know what he's given us? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, man. Second Corinthians 3:17. I'm talking about some good stuff, and then we're gonna praise. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's no bondage, there's no shame, there's no disgrace, there's no disgust, there is no bitterness, there is no anger, there is no wrath, there is no fear of punishment or judgment. There is nothing! There is liberty! Ah! And Jesus said it best, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed! Are you free? Because slaves that love their chains will never be freed from their masters. I don't know about you, but I wanna be a slave of liberty. Right? I don't wanna be a slave of the system. I don't wanna be a slave of religion. Can you imagine me showing up with like suits on and stuff, that'd be weird. I like liberty and justice. For all!